Good day, everyone, and welcome to New Matter, the SLS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. So I am today your guest host, and my name is Annika Janman Bjensen. I'm from Karolinska Institute, Sweden, and I'm also a member of the SLS European Scientific Program Committee. And today we are chatting with Hilary Sherman, who is a senior application scientist at Corning. So very welcome, Hilary. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's very nice to have you. So as usual, we, we normally start off by doing the SALS uh, challenge. And that is that you are asked to describe your company in, in 10 words or less. I mean, it is a challenge, but do you think you can do that? Sure, I'll do my best. So I would say um, for the company, innovative products for drug discovery and life science research. Mm, excellent. Is that part of your mission statement or is it something you... Um, I guess those are just the adjectives I would use to... Yeah, I'm not really sure what the mission statement is. I'm sure it's something along those lines. Yeah, no, it sounds really good. Uh, so, so I, uh, I'm, I'm sort of interested in, in. I mean, you are now a senior application scientist, and I looked in your your LinkedIn. And uh, I mean, how would you describe the most exciting part of what you are doing, your daily work? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I love most about my job is that I'm working in different areas of research all the time, and so I'm always being forced to learn. A lot, and um, you know, I might get really focused in one area, say like cancer, for a little while, while I focus on some new applications or new product that my company is launching. And then six months later, I'll switch to something completely different. Maybe I'm working with organoids, or I'm working with other three D technologies. So I love that I'm always learning about something new, and that I don't have the opportunity to get bored because as soon as I start to get comfortable with a particular area. I move on to something else and get challenged all over again. I love that. So you talked about uh, organoids, which is, of course, a really exciting area and it's growing really fast. I mean, in, in uh, what role does your you have and your company have when it comes to organoid? And, and how do you see sure. the potential there? I mean, it's, it's of course, a real big a sort of a hype now around organoids. Yeah. And of course... Finding translational models is the most important part for drug discovery, and we've been failing that for, for many years. But how do you see that and your company? Yeah, so um, you know, from a from a corning perspective, we make a lot of the products that enable this type of advanced 3D cell culture. So um, you know, we sell a product called Matrigel Matrix which has been long considered the gold standard ECM um, type material for 3D cell culture. And it, it's required really for organoid culture. We also sell a lot of other specialized 3D products like low attachment plates that help repel cells from attaching to the surface that form these 3D structures. So from a corning perspective, you know, we want to provide the products that allow our customers to do the research. And from the applications group's perspective, where I belong, you know, we want to enable that research for customers to do by teaching them how to use the products and helping to develop protocols and white papers. So over the past couple of years, I've been spending a lot of time optimizing different organoid protocols and 
trying to help customers make them more high throughput and a little bit more straightforward because these protocols are not easy to accomplish. And in order to limit the variability that's inherent in these systems, you know, it, it takes a lot of paying attention and sort of fine-tuning the work. And I think organizers are you know, going to become a more essential model for cell research moving forward just from the standpoint of allowing us to better understand what's happening in the body, as well as, you know, the potential for personalized medicine, you know, looking for chemotherapeutics that are the exact right drug for this particular patient, you know, to have a better outcome for their cancer. I just think it's so exciting. No, I I certainly agree. So what led you into science in the first place? Yeah, I've always been super interested in science. I was definitely one of those annoying why kids growing up, you know, constantly bombarding my parents with questions of why is this, why that, and going down these rabbit holes. And my dad was actually um, a special education teacher. And so he never ended my questions. He always allowed me to sort of continue asking and was never put off by my um, annoying questions. And, um, and I, yeah, I just always loved um, just trying to understand things and understand how things worked or why things happened a certain way. And so, yeah, I've just always been fascinated by, by science. So, um, I mean, we already touched upon it. Uh, I mean, one of the products by, by Corning, I mean, the, the plates for, for organoids um, formation. But in your mind, I mean, a lot of things are moving uh, in the world now, in precision medicine, for instance, I mean, in your view, what's the most exciting product development now within your company? Maybe this is what you talked about. Yeah, I'd say three-dimensional culture in general, whether it be you know more advanced models like like organoids, or even just more simple three-dimensional models for you know high throughput cancer screening. I think the ability to culture cancer models in a more three-dimensional way compared Mm -hmm. to more traditional two-dimensional has Mm -hmm. really had a big impact on drug discovery. We know that cancer cells respond completely different in 3D than they do in 2D. Sometimes it can be as simple as just needing a higher dose of drug, but sometimes Mm -hmm. the actual mechanism changes in how the drug um, interacts with the three-dimensional culture compared to 2D. And so I think that's been just really fascinating to see that develop over time as more and more industry and research sort of move away from 2D to more three-dimensional. And I think that's where Corning has really become a leader and established itself as very innovative with three-dimensional culture and also in terms of, of our expertise. You know, if you look at some of the other companies that sell products for three-dimensional culture, If you look at the publications, the technical white papers, the posters, they just don't have nearly as much as Corning. Corning really invests in, you know, understanding the technology and being an expert and showing customers, you know, how to use these products as opposed to just making the products and trying to sell them. So do you think this is, I mean, cancer, of course, uh, solid tumors is, of course, the obvious uh, part here, but are there, uh, I mean, how general is this field do you think in in uh, i mean when is it not an advantage to have these 3d organoids? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, there are certainly other applications beyond cancer, such as um, like liver toxicity, where 3D can be have value, and certainly organoid models where we discuss. But you're right, it's 3D is not always the answer. I think you know the real goal in science is to gain the answers to the complexity that you need in mm. the simplest way possible, right? Mm. So if you can answer your question in in 2D in a really simple model that's you know, easy to scale up, easy to accomplish and low cost. Great, you know, do so. But I think what we're finding more and more is that those more simplified models miss information. And so we have more complexity to the system in order to really get the answer to looking for. So what about making them even more complex then to to make them more human-like in terms yeah. of microfluidics and uh, these exactly. kind of... I think that's the goal, right? And the struggle to find the balance there still of making these assays still high throughput because mm-hmm. we can't be doing these drug discovery campaigns in a 12-hole plate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so adding that complexity of like, um, you know, adding in, um, you know, blood vessels so that you mm-hmm. can actually get better nutrient exchange and bigger tissues, right? Because mm-hmm. nutrient exchange and gas exchange becomes a limiting factor as you start to create these larger organoids or larger tissues. So that's going to be a limiting factor. Adding microfluidics is definitely going to help to get more complexity and potentially more in vivo aspects. But again, um, being able to accomplish that in a high throughput way is the challenge. So I think finding that balance and innovating newer technology that allows that is going to be really important. So, I mean, from the FDA perspective and the requirements for doing, uh, I mean, to handing in the file uh, eventually, the IMD, I mean, what's the role if you compare these more than um, sophisticated now um, translational models to the traditional ones? I mean, an, an in vivo pharmacology right. models. Yeah. So I, I don't think we're replacing animals really anytime soon, although it would be lovely. I'm a vegetarian, so I'd love to see less animal testing um, going on. But I think we're not quite there yet. But if we can get better quality data in the pipeline sooner, then maybe we have less in vivo testing to do later, right? Less animal studies to do later because we've really been able to narrow out what we need to research further. So hopefully some of these other models, you know, wean out some of the things that aren't worth looking at sooner so that we can really focus on, you know, fewer compounds that we think are going to be more high value. So in, in your mind, all the all the young generation of, of scientists that are now finding their way in their career, I mean, how would you sort of recommend their career choices in terms of automation, yeah. screening, data science? There are so many opportunities right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say just in science in general, you know, to to really explore options, you know, take on, um, you know, internships, work in a lab, figure out what you like, what you don't like, because I think it's really easy to kind of pigeonhole yourself into a path, not really understanding what does that mean day to day? Actually, my background is in marine and freshwater biology, um, not in cellular biology. It actually, um, it wasn't until uh, until later in life when I took a little bit of a break from um, between undergrad and, and potentially going to graduate school that, you know, I uh, I started doing some cell culture. It was the first time I had been exposed to cell culture at all. Yeah. And I hadn't even known it really existed. And 
as soon as I was exposed to it, I just completely fell in love. And had I not had that experience of, of trying something that I didn't think was what I actually wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, I never would have found the career path that, that I found. So I just, yeah, encourage people to really try because you just don't know what you're going to like or dislike mm-hmm. unless you want to try it. Yeah, I agree. Sounds really good. So you, you've been now doing this for, for, I mean, you've stayed with this company for quite a few years. Yeah, so it's not something there. <laughs> yeah, so I, describe. I think Corning is, is, um, is a great company to work for. And, um, you know, I love at, at the, the site that I work at, it, which is actually in, in Kennebunk, Maine. We have a really nice mix of employees from, from different departments. We have manufacturing at this facility. We have our development scientists who are creating new products at this facility. We have um, commercial and business folks who are working on, you know, leading the path for where our company is going. And then we have the applications group that that I belong to actually working with the products. And so it's just really exciting to have all of these interconnected groups working together, communicating, saying, this is what I need, develop something like this, or development saying, we created this thing. Do you think anybody would like to use this thing? Or commercial saying, hey, we're hearing there's a need for this thing. You know, and I just find that really exciting and rewarding. So if you would do something completely different, I mean what I mean there are so many choices in life. Sure, sure. And you can always you have you have some hours left after you you've done your your work. I mean, what yes. would it be? So I'm actually um, a pretty obsessed rock climber. So my husband and I um, spend all of our free time in the mountains, rock climbing. All of our vacations, we've traveled the world, mm. climbed all over the world, and so yeah, most of our free time is spent training mm. and climbing. And then um, we also have a beautiful two-year-old pit bull um, who also occupies quite a bit of our time. Yeah. But you've never been to Sweden yet? Or maybe? No, never been to Sweden. So I would certainly love to come. Yeah, I personally like, uh, maybe not the rock climbing. I haven't done that much of that. But uh, hiking in the Swedish mountain is fantastic, actually. I hear it's quite beautiful. So Hilary, I was curious to know about the... SELS in general and your view and your, I mean, how SELS has been helpful and maybe in particular the network or the people that SELS provides. Is it anything in particular there when it comes to the network people that excites you in particular? SELS is one of my favorite conferences to attend um, because it's, it's a very diverse audience. You know, you get to meet with researchers, you get to meet with industry and automation experts and learn about new technologies for automation. So I always love love attending SALS. You know, it's quite disappointing to not have in-person SALS this year because I just love walking the exhibit hall and, and interacting with different vendors, seeing what's new out there, and also being at the Corning booth and actually getting to talk to customers and see, you know, what their needs are, what their struggles are, and, and how we can support them. So then I think yeah, Hilary, thank you very much for this very interesting and stimulating uh, conversation. Uh, thank and you. thank you for coming on to this show today. And for all the rest of you, keep an ear out for the next week of the next episode. So, Great. thank you. Thank you so much. It's been fun.